Let's go to our guest who is standing by and say hello once again to his bio, Professor George Lakoff. He is a cognitive linguist, and he's been teaching at the University of California, Berkeley since 1972. In addition to being a leading voice in the embodied mind, standing in the company of other researchers and philosophers, uh, such as David Bowen, uh, he has been applying the science of cognition and metaphor to shed light on political language and policies, the process which politicians view, right, center, and left, are taking shape. He is the author of The Political Mind. Nice to have you with us today. My pleasure. Now, we'd like for you to share your thoughts, if you would please, on why it is, and this is just a brief overview, people like myself, and I do not call myself a liberal or a conservative, uh, Republican or Democrat, I, call, I would consider myself a progressive, humanistic, spiritual uh, self-actualizer. Hence, I look for the truth in everything. I believe that there are progressives in the conservative ideologies, and I believe there are progressives in the liberal ideologies, but I believe that the language of, of being able to bring people together, the independents, the constitutionalists, the Greens, the more humanistic libertarians, bringing these people together has been like asking a thousand cats to march down the street. And as a result, a relatively small number of people on the right have been much better organized, much more disciplined, and they end up dominating the day, our body politic, deconstructing our safety nets and government, and in effect allowing Wall Street, the military-industrial complex, uh, the big oil and gas and um, coal and nuclear energies to get subsidies, yet they're taking away uh, the uh, rights of many people to uh, fair bargaining. And you think, but well, how in the world is such a small percentage of the, of the voting population, 19 to 20 percent, and the largest segment, 42 percent, are independents? Why is it the independents are not making a greater difference? Could you share your insight on this failure of the left and progressives in framing language and ideas that would have as much success in uniting people as the Republicans do in their efforts? Well, uh, there are five books I've written on the subject. The most recent is The Political Mind. And uh, so it's not a short answer. But it's an interesting and important answer. Take your time. Uh, I'm not going to interrupt you. I like my guests to take all the time they need to answer. Okay. Well, let's um, begin with uh, the way the brain works a little bit. Um, first, uh, I have a book called Don't Think of an Elephant, which requires that, of course, you're going to think of an elephant. That is, when you negate something, you activate what you re your, the part of the brain that uh, you're negating. So you can't just uh, deny something uh, and, um, you know, really argue against it. And what you find is that uh, uh, you know, Democrats are doing this constantly. Uh, the reason for that is that every word activates a circuit in your brain called a frame circuit. And uh, every word is defined with respect to such a frame circuit. And uh, the, um, the organization of uh, ideas in the brain, remember every idea you have is physically there in your brain, in brain circuitry. There's no such thing as 
ideas just floating in air. I mean, they're physical things. Um, they're organized, and they're organized so that in that political ideas are subservient to moral ideas. What that means is all politics is moral. Uh, every political leader gets up and says, do what I propose because it's right. Nobody gets up and says, do what I propose because it's wrong or that it doesn't matter. You know, that is, uh, there's always a moral ideology or a moral uh, set of principles behind uh, any proposal that any political leader is, is giving. And we have different moral systems. Uh, the conservative and progressive moral systems are very, very different. And uh, when I studied their structure, uh, what I found was, was something interesting. Uh, I asked a question. The question was, why do uh, conservatives uh, believe the, the bunch of things they believe? Why are the same people who are against abortion, um, you know, for owning guns? Why are the people who are for owning guns against environmental regulations? Why are the people uh, against environmental regulations for tort reform and so on? Uh, I found myself against all of those things, having the opposite views, and then I asked myself, uh, why is it that I have my views, those collections of views? And what I found when I started looking at it as a cognitive scientist is that uh, there were moral theories that held those views together, and they were metaphorical moral theories. That is, we think metaphorically all the time. That is, metaphor, metaphor is not just in language, it's in thought. And um, the basic moral systems behind conservative and progressive thought are family-based moral systems. They're based on strict father families and what I'll call nurturing parent families. Uh, and that these family-based moral systems are projected onto um, other systems, such as the you know, churches, uh, any kind of governing system at all, uh, the market and the nation. Uh, and so we have a nation as family metaphor, which we have founding fathers. Um, we send our sons and daughters to war and so on. And uh, this understanding, which is largely unconscious, remember 98% of our thought is unconscious, that understanding structures conservative and progressive reasoning about politics. Now, uh, what's interesting about this is that uh, the uh, most people have both moral systems at once. Now, how can you have two conflicting moral systems in the same brain? Uh, the answer is a basic structural feature of brains called inhibition. That is, there are circuits that uh, cannot both, both be active at once, and when one is active, it inhibits or turns off the other. And that's what happens in what I call biconceptuals. People who call themselves moderates or independents are actually not neutral. They, are, they have some progressive views and some conservative views. And uh, they're about, usually about different things. You can be progressive um, about social issues and conservative about financial issues, or progressive about financial issues and conservative about foreign policy, and so on. All kinds of possible combinations of that exist. What's interesting in our electoral system is that about 15 to 20% of the electorate is biconceptual. That is, 
They are partially conservative and partially progressive. And the way that uh, elections go is that if you can get enough of these biconceptuals voting for you and you can get your people out uh, you know, to vote, uh, then uh, you win elections. And, it, you know, you have to get, uh, you know, say, uh, 8 to 10 percent or more uh, of voting for you uh, of those folks, and you win. Notice that in elections, let's say uh, in the 2008 presidential election, uh, Obama won 53 to 47 percent of the votes. Uh, had 4 percent of those votes shifted, McCain would have gotten more votes not necessarily more electoral votes, but he would have gotten more votes. And uh, that's how close these things are. Uh, and so the strategies are to, to shift uh, those biconceptuals, to move them over. Now, uh, why is it that conservatives are doing better at all of these, in their, uh, in, uh, you know, with a small number of people supporting their views than progressives and liberals are? Why is that happening? It's, there's a deep reason, and it has to do with two factors. Uh, the first is the communication system. Conservatives have built, since uh, uh, the early 1970s, a remarkable communication system. Uh, they not only have about 80 think tanks, but they also have uh, professionals doing uh, the framing of language and ideas for them. Uh, that have been carried out for over 30 to 40 years. And they uh, have training institutes that train tens and th tens of thousands of conservatives every year to uh, think and talk conservative. In addition to that, they keep track of those folks, and uh, they book them on, they have booking agencies booking them on radio and TV and in all sorts of local venues. Uh, in schools, churches, or uh, local organizations, and so on. So conservatives have a consistent message that goes out all the time, every day, all over the country. Uh, and what does that mean? It means that their language is going to activate their ideas and their moral system, thus strengthening it in people who are uh, biconceptual, that is, people who have some of both ideas. Uh, that is an extremely important fact. Now, the question is, why is it that they have such a system and the Democrats and progressives and liberals do not? And that is something deep and important. Um, what cognitive science and neuroscience has discovered is that we don't think in terms of uh, traditional logic. We don't think in terms of... Um, uh, what is called the rational actor model or enlightenment reason. It is not the case that if you just tell people the facts, they'll reason to the right conclusion. Rather, we think in terms of structures called frames. We think in terms of metaphors. We think in terms of narratives that have emotional content, strong emotional content. We think in terms of imagery and so on. Now, in the academic world, uh, this is taught in the cognitive and brain sciences, and the people who pay most attention to the cognitive and brain sciences are the people in the business schools who teach marketing, because marketing depends upon how people really think. Conservatives who have gone to business schools have studied marketing, and they understand how people really think. 
not necessarily the people who are actually running for, for office or in office, but rather the people who uh, under who run the communication systems for conservatives. When progressives go to uh, college and liberals go to college, uh, if they want to go into politics, they'll study political science, economics, law, and public policy. In those fields, they don't teach the cognitive and brain sciences at all. They teach traditional logic and what is called the rational actor model, a traditional view of rationality that assumes that everybody thinks logically, and if you just tell people the truth, they'll reason to the right conclusion. That doesn't mean truth is irrelevant, but it does mean something important. They also teach that thought is conscious, which it is not. 98% is unconscious. So what you have is a situation where people who are the policymakers in the Democratic Party uh, and the, most of the people who are uh, liberals who are elected to office uh, think that people think differently than they really do. And they have a different view of what language is. They assume language is secondary to policy, whereas conservatives understand that language affects thought and morality. The result is a totally different attitude toward messaging and toward getting your ideas across and toward understanding what your ideas are. So for progressives, what they're going to do is give you long lists of policies. For conservatives, they're going to give you moral principles. For example, take health care. Uh, Frank Luntz wrote a memo about how to defeat health care. He says you defeat it on moral grounds. That is, and it's very simple, he says, we take two moral principles, freedom and life, and you talk about government takeover, which is about freedom. You talk about death panels, which is about life. And that's what conservatives did. They repeated that over and over. Repetition is extremely important, but repetition that evokes moral principles. What did the Obama administration do? Exactly the opposite. They, they took polls, and their polls showed that people liked the details of the policies. You know, they liked the idea that their kids could stay on their policies when they went to college. They liked the idea of not having pre preconditions and so on. And they made a list of all the nice parts of their bill that people liked. And then they went out and said, we're just going to tell you the truth about policy. There are 24 different good things about this. Here they are, one, two, three, four, up to 24. And, uh, you know, David Axelrod uh, got on Organizing for America and said, you have to tell everybody about these wonderful 24 principles. And if you can't remember them, just remember there are three groups of eight. And nobody, of course, is going to ever remember the three groups of eight. This is very important. The communication on both sides is very different. And the conservatives understand that you have to talk in terms of your moral principles. And they do. And they understand their moral principles very well. Now, what is going on now is very important. Let's take the Wisconsin protests. What's going on in Wisconsin is quite remarkable. It is the first time in a long time that progressives have stood up to a conservative onslaught. But the issue there, which is reported in the media, is supposed to be just about budgets and unions. And uh, the conservatives understand very well that this is not just about budgets and unions at all. 
what conservatives want really is not just to balance a budget or to um, you know do certain cuts and so on. What they want is to have the country run according to a conservative worldview. Uh, it's a worldview in which there's only individual responsibility, in which uh, not it's not just anti-government because they like government that does certain things for you know for them. They like government that has a strong military. They're not trying to cut a military budget, for example. Uh, they like government that hands um, uh, public resources over to private companies. That sounds pretty good to them. Uh, you know, so that the bill in Wisconsin that the Governor Wallace is putting uh, forth there uh, is um, a bill that it allows the governor to uh, sell off uh, state-owned resources in, uh, you know, um, for heating, cooling, or energy to um, any company without com competitive bids at what he considers uh, a reasonable price for the for the state. That is, the, the governor can privatize anything at all with any company he likes uh, without competitive bids. Uh, what this means is he can sell off the resources of the people of Wisconsin and privatize them to people who will support conservative ideas. Uh, this is largely, this is not about breaking unions. Uh, the issue of breaking the unions, not merely about breaking the unions, if you break the, uh, the public employees' unions, what you'll be doing is breaking the major source of funding for Democratic candidates all over the country. Every place in America, the, the major source of funding for Democrats and for liberals is those unions. If those unions are broken, then you have an open field for conservatives. It will only be uh, large conservative corporations that will be funding candidates in elections all over America, and what you will get is a radical conservative takeover of the entire country in every issue. And this isn't just economics. It has to do with issues like gay rights. It has to do with women's rights, uh, immigrant rights, uh, you know, not just collective bargaining rights, but health care, uh, you name it, uh, education, they want to get rid of public education, uh, you know, and privatize that too. What that means would be a disaster for every part, every sector of America. So uh, what they're doing is saying, oh, we're using the budget as an excuse for doing that. And in fact, in Wisconsin, uh, the reason that you have a budget deficit is because uh, they um, cut taxes for the wealthy just before they declared a budget deficit. Uh, if they hadn't done that, there would have been no deficit. So this is a rather remarkable thing. The reporting on this is, even reporting from Democrats and from liberals and progressives, is that this is an issue of collective bargaining, uh, you know, uh, versus uh, the, uh, the, the right-wing view of economics and budget cutting. It's not about budget cutting. And, and there are honest conservatives who've come out and said that. Karl Rove got on uh, Fox News, as did Shep Smith, one of the, the conservative commentators, and they said, look, this is not about budgets at all. This is about who's going to run the country, period. Because if you know they destroy the unions, then conservatives get to run the country. That's what this is really about. Now, that is not reported. 
very much. It's just not there. It's reported today in the New York Times uh, in an, in an op-ed piece by Paul Krugman, but it's not reported on the front pages. And uh, it's not reported generally on TV and generally in the blogs or anything like that. You have Anderson Cooper saying that the protests in Wisconsin uh, are about taxpayers versus unions. They're not about taxpayers versus unions. Uh, unions. First of all, it's not you know the unions are taxpayers. You know the, they're people. But in addition, it's really about who's going to be running the country. Uh, the um, 14 state senators who uh, have left uh, Wisconsin to go to Illinois are heroes. Why? Because they are blocking a conservative takeover of the country. Uh, they're doing what Abraham Lincoln did way back in the Illinois legislature. When he saw that a disastrous bill was about to be uh, put forth uh, and that he couldn't stop it by being there, the only way he could stop it was by uh, keeping a quorum from uh, being formed. Uh, he jumped out a window so that uh, the vote could not be taken. This is, uh, you know, he did this in the service of the people of Illinois. And those 14 legislators, who I think should be called Lincoln legislators, to honor them, are, you know, doing a, a major public service for the people of America. But that's not how it's reported. Uh, What's happening is very simple. You have uh, a view uh, of public discourse that is controlled largely by a conservative system uh, of communication. And they repeat language over and over. And the remarkable thing is that liberals and Democrats take the same language and they'll argue against it. But when they do it, it's like saying, don't think of an elephant which makes people think of elephants. You know, if you say, no, there isn't a budget crisis, that oh, activates the idea of budget crisis. You know, if you say, rather, there's plenty of money in, in Wisconsin, there's plenty of money in America, where is it? Okay, then there's an economic truth, which is that the top 1% of Americans uh, have more financial assets than the bottom 95 we have a huge financial discrepancy in this country, and it got there because of uh, government uh, deregulation, because of the effect of communication systems on elected officials. And the reason that happened is that conservatives uh, do understand the importance of marketing their ideas and getting their ideas across, and they created a communication system to do so. And liberals who think about falsely about how people actually think and how language works have not created such a system, and so their ideas are not getting across. This has been going on for the last 40 years, and it's hard to overcome. That is why we're facing the crisis we're facing. Well, I appreciate very much you taking your time. As I told my audience, you're on a very busy schedule, and we would not keep you. And you've given us in this 27 minutes uninterrupted discussion, you have given us an extremely important insight that we appreciate. Thank you very much, Professor George Lakoff, uh, author of The Political Mind, Why You Can't Understand 21st Century American Politics with an 18th Century Brain.